Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. The world is full of what some people say are curses. Inscribed within the tomb, wrote one reporter, was a curse that warned, I will kill all those who cross this threshold. There's the curse of King Tut's tomb. Another paper reported, They who enter this sacred tomb shall swift be visited by wings of death. There's also the Hope Diamond. For some say that the Hope Diamond is cursed, and that the jewel has brought disaster and early death to all who have owned it. In the theater world, you'll be cursed if you say the name Macbeth out loud. And for Boston baseball fans, there was the curse of the Bambino. And for the first time since 1918, the Boston Red Sox are champions of baseball. But in New York politics, there's a curse that you might not have ever heard of. Terry, do you believe the curse of the third term is real? I do believe there is a curse of the third term, and history, history shows I'm right. The third term curse may not necessarily be unique to New York. I suspect it's not. But there's no doubt that some of the greatest names in New York politics over the last hundred years... Peace is better than war because life is better than death. Heal wounds to unite the city. ...have fallen apart by the third term. By 1994, New Yorkers were no longer willing to vote for Cuomo and he lost to George Pataki in that year's Republican wave. You talk about people like Ed Koch and Fiorella LaGuardia and Mario Cuomo. Their third terms are kind of an object lesson in why it's probably good to quit after two. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, after covering New York politics for the better part or worst part of 40 years, yeah, there's a third term curse. Terry Galway on New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and the curse of the third term. I think one of the enduring memories that Andrew Cuomo has of being a young man is being at his father's side when his father was governor. I never met anyone who worked like my father. I mean, to this day, I work like a lunatic, but he was literally seven days a week. Andrew was a young law student in Albany, and was generally considered to be Mario's top advisor. All he did was what he did. You want to get to know him, you go into his world, because he's not coming into your world. And I think I started to volunteer in the campaign to get to know him. And then we worked together the rest of our lives. And he was by Mario's side in 1990 when Mario won a third term with about 53% of the vote. It is a pleasure to present to you at this time the governor of the state of New York, Mario M. Cuomo. I remember covering that campaign and remembered thinking, gee, you know, Mario should have done better. He was running against a total non-entity from the Republican Party. So you flash forward to uh, his decision to run for a fourth term, which was sort of, you know, know risking history. There were a few of us who thought he shouldn't run again. There were people who were telling him, look, the polls aren't that good. Uh, Numbers are not that good. You could lose. Uh, He lost, Mario lost, to somebody who was really 
not very well known, George Pataki. My friends and fellow New Yorkers, today it begins. Thank you. He was a state senator from Westchester County. No one had heard of him when he started his campaign. With your help, we are going to succeed. And that defeat, I think, uh, really scarred Andrew. It's something I, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but as someone who's covered the Cuomos for a long time, I suspect he's never forgotten that night when his father had to concede to George Pataki and therefore lost his bid for a fourth term. So now Andrew Cuomo himself is in his third term, um, hoping to get a fourth term. And until recently, it's kind of looked like he, he was on track to evade the curse in a way, right? If you picture where Andrew Cuomo was on New Year's Eve of 2020, there was no doubt that he was absolutely on track to winning a fourth well, term. The latest Siena poll shows the governor has gained significant support since that. Which speech. only Nelson Rockefeller had done in recent New York history. Uh, he had plenty of campaign cash. He still does. But he also had these skyrocketing approval ratings. He was generally perceived to be one of the great heroes of the pandemic. I mean, there was Dr. Fauci and there was Andrew Cuomo. Governor Cuomo, welcome to The Tonight Show at home. I really appreciate you doing this. Really means a lot to us for you for, uh, being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. He was thought um, to be everything that Donald Trump wasn't. He was transparent. He was empathetic. He was sympathetic. And, and people applauded him um, for it. And I just want to say on behalf of just, just me, but my family, but New Yorkers, bigger than that, uh, the world, thank you for your leadership. Uh, people thought that he was doing the right thing. And here we are now in late February, just, what, seven weeks later, and now everything has changed. This morning, growing fallout for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and his administration over withholding COVID death toll numbers in nursing homes. Cuomo's role in the nursing home scandal has uh, been profound. But was it a Cuomo cover-up? That is a burning question today after a top Cuomo aide appears to admit that the governor's office intentionally delayed releasing COVID death numbers at nursing homes to state legislators because they were worried a federal investigation was underway. And recently it came to pass that one of his aides told some people uh, on a call, uh, some Democratic uh, lawmakers, that uh, they had indeed hidden those figures. Uh, they froze, she said, because they kind of feared a political brushback from the Trump administration. This morning, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration is under federal scrutiny for its handling of COVID-related fatality data at nursing homes. Frankly, uh, a lot of sort of resentments of Cuomo's high-handed governing style and a lot of people who sort of held back from criticizing him because after all, he was the most popular politician in New York. A lot of people are now seizing the moment. Governor Cuomo called me the next day at 8 p.m. while I was about to bathe my kids, I was with my wife, and for 10 minutes, uh, he berated me, uh, he yelled at me, uh, he told me that you know, my career will be over. He's Realizing that he's vulnerable and coming forward with stories about his governing style. Yeah, it's a sad thing to say, but that's classic Andrew Cuomo. Um, a lot of people in New York State have received those phone calls. About his use of the emergency powers that the legislature gave him uh, last March. And basically, in some ways, 
Some of these issues are, to use a cliche, coming home to roost. Andrew Cuomo is up for re-election next year. He's he's hoping to defy the odds, avoid the same fate as his father, um, get a fourth term like nobody has since Rockefeller. Do you think he's going to be able to do it? Despite everything, Andrew Cuomo is an odds-on favorite to win a fourth term. I mean, you just look at it practically. First of all, it's February of 2021 not 2022. I mean, in some ways, the scandal couldn't have come at a better time, and you'd rather it happen now than a year from now, when the campaign for re-election is fully underway. The Republican Party in New York is moribund. I mean, the Republicans haven't elected a statewide official since 2002. And if even if you go back into the 90s, even to the 80s, uh, you could count, and I have, uh, you could count on one finger the number of times a Republican has won statewide office in New York. So there's that. But what about the left? What about a challenge from a Democrat? Well, maybe. But the fact of the matter is uh, none of these prospective young uh, sort of Ocasio-Cortez generation Democrats have much of a statewide following. And the fact is the voters who sent these young progressives from Brooklyn and Queens to Albany, those voters are in Brooklyn and Queens. And while there are a lot of them, New York's a big state. I mean, New York has lots of territory north of New York City, and you've got to be able to appeal to them. Those Democratic voters are considered to be more moderate than uh, New York City voters. And so would a challenge from the left work on a statewide basis? I have my doubts. I would still, I mean, if I had money, which I don't, uh, I would bet that uh, Andrew Cuomo would, will win a fourth term next year. Terry Golway, thanks so much for talking with me. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Also, today, the heads of three tech giants are set to testify before lawmakers once again next month. On Thursday, the House Energy and Commerce Committee announced that Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, Google CEO Sundar Pichai, and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey have agreed to testify remotely at a hearing on misinformation and disinformation. The testimony comes on the heels of the violent January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, which fueled Democratic uproar over the amount of planning that happened openly on both major and fringe online platforms. In a statement announcing the hearing, the committee's Democratic leaders said, quote, whether it be falsehoods about the COVID-19 vaccine or debunked claims of election fraud, these online platforms have allowed misinformation to spread, intensifying national crises with real-life grim consequences for public health and safety. And the Biden administration says it will not be sharing any of the vaccine doses it's purchased with poor countries until most Americans are vaccinated. An administration official told reporters about the plan on Thursday, just a day before Biden is set to join the G7 virtual meeting, where international leaders are expected to talk about the global vaccine rollout. The Biden administration announced last month that it would participate in COVAX, the global effort for equitable vaccine access, but it wasn't clear at the time when the United States might donate its own doses. At today's meeting, Biden is set to announce that the U.S. is directing $4 billion 
to help secure vaccines for poor countries. The Politico Dispatch production team includes senior producer Jenny Ament and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>